Hello and welcome to the Open Cloud Infrastructure Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Siegman, back from international travel. And today is Monday, March 8th, 2023. And this is episode nine with these topics. Datadog builds a single customer $65 million and we need to know who. Service Stack finds out that Hetzner Cloud is hard to beat on price compared to AWS, Azure, and DigitalOcean. And Amazon Prime moving from serverless backed by Lambda to monoliths running on VMs. Datadog builds a single customer $65 million and we just need to know who. Every once in a while, earnings calls are interesting, and when this popped up, I naturally was curious as well. So transport yourself to the Datadog earnings call Q123, when Mark Murphy, a JP Morgan Chase analyst, comes off mute and asks this innocent question, answered by David Opsler, Chief Financial Officer. The next question comes from Mark Murphy with JP Morgan. Your line is now open. Thank you very much, uh, David. The, looking at the math on this large upfront bill that uh, did not recur, it seems to be about uh, $65 million, if I'm running that correctly. Uh, can, can you possibly shed a little more light? Uh, for instance, will you recapture that or some of that? in Q2 and, and you know, what type of customer and customer dynamic is, is operating at that level? I'm gonna have a quick follow-up. Yeah, um, we, that is a customer of ours. What we said was the billing frequency uh, changed and the size. So that customer's bill will one, be spread out more you know, over time. That company, that was a crypto company and uh, continues to be a customer of ours, but uh, that was uh, an early optimizer. Um, we had always talked that some of the industries uh, that were most affected optimized, and, um, and that um, is, uh, so we will get that, we will get that bill at a smaller size than was uh, billed last year um, uh, in, in a more of a uh, chunked up uh, billing way. So who could that $65 million customer be? Is it Coinbase? Is it someone else? Which customer spends $65 million on observability and other things? Inquiring minds want to know, but congratulations Datadog on being the fastest software company to ever reach $2 billion in annual recurring revenue. Hetzner Cloud is hard to beat on price. Here's a treat from the folks at ServiceStack, a specialist in comprehensive net frameworks for API-first systems, who got ticked off by an $8 price increase at DigitalOcean. Hetzner Cloud is hard to beat on price. Here's a treat from the folks at ServiceStack, a specialist in comprehensive .NET frameworks for building API-first systems, who got ticked off by an $8 price increase at DigitalOcean. It's just the little things that annoy us, isn't it? Well, that motivated the team over there to check into options they might have to host a specific system they used for demos in the US, which was a dedicated server located in Hetzner's German data center. Hetzner recently launched a new cloud offering in the US and at 15-ish dollars per month, you can get a four vCPU, eight gigabytes RAM, 160 gigs storage, and 20 terabytes of data transfer hosted in the US. Let's learn from them and compare how this would price out with other cloud providers, AWS being one of them. 
their demo stack is using SQLite as a database and Lightstream as a backup method. Lightstream replicates changes in the database to S3, SFTP, or Azure Blob Storage. So the team decided to compare this setup with, quote, production setups provided by AWS RDS and Azure SQL Database Wizards, along with two vCPU application servers. Spoiler alert, quote, AWS and Azure recommended production environments can look extremely overpriced, end quote. Is it fair to compare a managed database solution with a self-hosted instance of Lightstream and SQLite? For the purposes of this specific application comparison, I'd say yes. Would this look different with a much larger database and systems that page multiple people when things go wrong? Maybe. But let's first learn about the comparison methodology because there's also the aspect of performance because the cloud is supposed to be fast, right? Right? So to test performance, a tool called Gatling was used to create two write requests and eight reads separated by two seconds per step. That then ramped up, adding new users to the system from 5 per second to 15 per second to add a growing number of users over 10 minutes, then sustained over another 10 minutes. All three setups, Azure, AWS, uh, and the local setup, um, could handle this rate of requests without issues, even though SQLite is essentially single-threaded on write. The docs state, quote, SQLite only supports run writer at a time per database file, end quote. But if your requirements don't need anything beyond that, you'll likely be fine. Some exceptions, of course, apply, void or prohibited, your mileage may vary, and so on and so on. But let's look at the cost. Azure came in at $493 a month, GASP, AWS at $280, DigitalOcean at $48, and Hetzner Cloud at $1260. You could say that Azure is almost 4,000% more at the same performance level requirement. AWS is over 2,000% more than Hetzner Cloud, and all in all, these savings are just too hard I mean, they're too big to ignore when you build for a purpose system where the requirements are well known. By the way, AWS also now defaults to provisioned IOPS, meaning a certain performance level is guaranteed. And when you disable that, you'll save $300 a month and the cost advantage drops, but is still over a thousand percent. Now let's look at some raw disk performance stats because we want still fast disks, right? So here's uh, where I ask myself if something went wrong at AWS, because when you measure disk speeds using the Linux utility FIO FIO, an AWS EC2 instance with 100 gigs GP2 storage can do about 2000 K IOPS and nine megabytes a second read and 750 IOPS at three megabytes a second write. Azure was marginally faster with 3K IOPS and 12 megs read a second and 1K and 4 megs a second write. In contrast, DigitalOcean, the $48 instance, can do 35,000 IOPS at 144 megabytes a second read and 11.8K IOPS at 48 megabytes a second write. Hetzner again here is the standout with the $50 instance resulting in 50,000 IOPS at 207 megabytes a second read and 17,000 IOPS at 70 megabytes a second write. 
Oh, and for the record, when I run on my own local server hardware, my IOPS on OpenShift are in the hundreds of thousands K and gigabytes a second using NVMe drives. These are insane numbers when you think about it. What could explain the extremely poor performance of AWS and Azure? I don't have any explanation other than system design decisions and operating at extremely large scale, but I'd be interested to hear your opinion. Amazon Prime moving from serverless backed by Lambda to monoliths running on VMs. Gasp. This is a great lesson learned uh, from the Amazon team showing how they designed a system only to find out that it hit a hard performance limit at 5% of the expected load. Ouch. So let's set, set the stage here first. Have you been to the Amazon.com homepage recently and scrolled down a bit to see all these live streams? Yeah, there are thousands of them running simultaneously, shilling any kind of product that Amazon sells. To ensure that you see these streams without any hiccups and click on buy, 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 the team set up a tool to monitor every stream viewed by customers to automatically identify bad video, like block corruption, drops, audio video sync problems, and trigger a process to fix them. The tool used over time showed higher and higher cost and eventually bottlenecked hard. So back to the drawing board it was. The initial version of the service consisted of distributed components that were orchestrated by AWS step functions. These components share data out of process using Lambda and step functions. When this was moved into an in-process design, a deployment on EC2 or ECS became possible and eliminated all communication overhead by moving it into a monolith. Wait a minute, I hear you scream in agony. Aren't we all supposed to microservice everything? Why, yes, you are correct, but if your application isn't a good fit for such an architecture, given the framework you are operating within, you need to design for the system you have to use, not the one you think is the best approach. So lesson learned here from the Amazon Prime team is don't use S3 to store image blocks, don't use step functions to synchronize workflows, and don't use Lambda functions when all you need is a single application handling all these things in application logic, eliminating 90% of your cost. Yes, that's right. The team cut their internal bill by 90% after the redesign. Hear it from Amazon SDE Marcin Colney himself, quote, microservices and serverless components are tools that do work at high scale, but whether to use them over monoliths has to be made on a case-by-case -case basis. Moving our service to a monolith reduced our infrastructure cost by over 90%. It also increased our scaling capabilities. Today, we are able to handle thousands of streams and we still have capacity to scale the service even further. Moving the solution to Amazon EC2 and Amazon ECS also allowed us to use the Amazon EC2 compute savings plan that will help have that will help, excuse me, drive costs down even further. Wow. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your time and check back in in two weeks for another episode of Open Cloud Infrastructure. If you like this show, recommend it to a friend. Follow me on Mastodon as ssigman at infosec.exchange. That's S-S-I-E-K-M-A-N-N -N at infosec.exchange. 
The music in this program is licensed by Audio Jungle. Head over to my YouTube channel where you can check out the installation videos I do and how I set up my lab. Hop on over to YouTube and find me as Open Cloud Infrastructure. See you soon.